Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Jordan trying to shake off starts. Oh, what a What up, what up? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name is Nick Engvall with my guy, Mike Guillory. Talk about some Nike news today. How's it going, man? Yeah, it was going pretty good, man. How you doing today? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Dealing with a, a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of challenges here and there, as always, but I'm trying to, trying to stay positive at the end of the day so oh yeah that's all we can do man but, um before we get into the episode we wanted to uh i guess let's just let's start out with talk about what we've been what we're what we've been rocking and uh what we're copping this week so what do you yeah. got what do you got going on shoot this stand true just 31 pairs in 31 days so today i put on my nike trunners in the uh black and royal colorway as a 2017 retro um on my radar though, I you know, I, I sadly I missed out on the uh the Harden um Iverson early release. I would, I missed it by like a couple minutes look like they had everything but a size ten, but my eyes have been on these uh human made uh Adidas rivalry lows that I like, pay tribute to some of the old Bapesta colorways. That brown and pink pair, even though I don't like brown shoes, man, it's just something about it, just super nostalgic. Just looking at old Bapesters that I can never get my hands on and Dude, they're like 145, 150 bucks. I'm like, and they're sitting right now. So I don't yeah. know. It may be something in the future. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's interesting about how things ebb and flow. Kind of like what we talked about on the last episode, where oh, yeah. you know, if you're paying attention to only the shiny object that's hot right now, you miss out on on a lot of stuff that that the prices drop on where you can come up really nicely on some of these things. So, Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I basically, uh, let's see what I rock today. Uh, I rock some, uh, Air Max 94s today, uh, okay. black, black and gray and uh, volt colorway. Um, still doing the, the 31 days, 31 or 31 pairs, 31 days, trying to rock a different pair every, every day this month. Um, but I, I do know that I, I got to post a picture cause I'm a little late to that, but, <laughs> um, and then as far as what I'm interested in copping, uh, just fresh kicks posted a pair of Air Max 95s earlier today, which is like the vast gray colorway. Apparently it's it's made out of like eco-friendly materials, recycled materials and dyes, that kind of stuff. And the colorway is not normally something that I would be into, but it's it's got like 
it's got like some shades of brown and some it kind of has almost like a, a like a recycled denim look to it and uh and like a little bit of volt uh on the air bubble i'm yeah. i'm really into it kind of kind of dope i saw those man they look good i was like this is uh it reminded me of denim too i thought the denim was upper just like a kind of a selvage denim that was faded i was like man these are actually very very good looking so i mean in typical fashion 95 right now they, they sit so hopefully they you get an easy chance getting them in they uh they go on sale or something yeah i mean and that's the thing like so I, i'm like a big fan of the 95 but typically i either wear them a lot and end up donating the shoes or or they get just destroyed and you know i lose them that way yeah and i was like actually looking i actually don't have very many pairs of 95s right now and then I started looking at like what's on sale. I'm like, damn, there's a lot of good stuff out there. But oh, this yeah. particular one is kind of interesting too because that, like you said, that top layer, right? Like that, I love the layered look on the 95, but the mm -hmm. top layer on this doesn't have mesh like they usually do, which is really interesting because at first glance, you don't even think about something like that. But then you look a little bit closer and you're like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing here. You know, so. Yeah, man. That's like a little subtle differences. Yeah, yeah. Definitely my pick for this week. Hopefully, I can get a pair whenever they come out. I didn't. I didn't see a release date on the post or anything yet. So I didn't either. I saw. I think I saw the same post you did. I didn't see a release date just yet, but um, man, it looked good. But speaking of stuff on sale, I don't want to go too far of a side tangent. But have you noticed like people posting in-store pictures of like Foot Locker, Finish Line, all those places where uh, shoes are like when I say dirt cheap, I mean there's some stuff going for like ten bucks. In store, yeah. like the sales don't translate online, but if you go in store, they're trying to dump whatever they have. Yeah, well, so a, a couple of the guys that are in our Discord uh, actually posted a few of the deals, you know, mm -hmm. in, that, in our deals channel. And I mean, even even stuff where, like, I would buy stuff. I, I'm I'm always about picking up stuff cheap, but like a lot of times, I buy stuff before it goes on sale or don't wait long enough. Same. But man, <laughs> some of the stuff that they were posting, I'm just like, man, maybe I need to just like step into a store here and, and <laughs> see what I find. For sure, man. I, I'm feeling the same way. I'm like, man, I, I was, I was thinking, thinking that's some good giveaway items right there. We can get our hands on. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'd love to know but from everybody that's listening, like what, what you're seeing as far as deals go, because obviously there's a lot of sales and there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of people, a lot of brands out there trying to, to get your attention as as the economy is kind of down right now. So I'm I'm curious if people are seeing different stuff in different parts of the country and different parts of the world and what it looks like, because that's the this, I mean, it gets me excited about sneakers to think that you could walk into a store and find something. You know, somebody tweeted something about those uh, those red four or sorry, those red threes that came out. The, the Chicago and the, yeah. Yeah, saying that those got to be sitting in a lot of stores. And I'm just thinking, man, that's a, that's a shoe that for a hundred bucks or under, I would probably pick up, you oh, know, heck yeah. if, if nothing else, I would pick up pairs of those to customize. But on top of that, like I might even pick up multiple pairs if it's, if it's, you know, good enough quality. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm really fascinated by this whole kind of weird space that we're in with, with sneakers and the economy and like what the next kind of ebb, and flow will happen coming out of this, right? Because there's just so much unknown right now mm -hmm. and, and everybody's trying to figure it out. And we're going to get into it here in a little bit about, you know, some of the stuff that Nike's trying to do, but, um, 
I wanted to make sure that we shouted out actually nobody because we didn't get a review this week. <laughs> but if you do have a minute, head over to iTunes and leave us a review. It really helps with us to grow this community around the podcast. Every little bit counts. Every bit of feedback we take and we try to improve upon whatever you guys suggest. So we definitely appreciate if you take that 30 seconds, 60 seconds and and head over to iTunes on your phone and you know, drop us a quick review. For sure. Now we'll say shout out to two, two groups of people. One to our discord members who have been super interactive with us. So we appreciate that. And then shout out to everybody who jumped onto our, our, our challenge for the 31 sneakers in 31 days, of April. So appreciate all y'all for just, you know, interacting with us. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, and, and we'll figure out a way in the future to potentially open up the discord for maybe like a day um, or something like that. Keep it, keep it super, you know, I want to, I want to make sure that what I'm trying to recreate with that discord is kind of the nostalgic feel of what the old forums used to be. And mm-hmm. I really want people to, to like meet new friends, you know, build relationships, make things happen through those connections, because I think that's what's missing in sneakers, right? We're all just a number on the wall to the brands and we're all just uh you know a quick hit emoji comment on everybody else's posts and you know i think just in the state of the world we need a little bit more real connection with people and maybe if we can do that with the discord which right now is only available through to our patreon members but you know i think that you know creating a space where we can kind of build each other up and, and, you know, find ways to connect around things that aren't just sneakers, but also potentially help each other out, you know, going back to our last episode, right. You know, the beauty of what the forums were 10, 15, 20 years ago was that, you know, you really did have people looking out for each other and, you know, that exists to a certain point right now, but there's a lot of people that, you know, just about the money and nothing, nothing wrong with that. Everybody's got to make sure that they eat and put food on their table. Mm -hmm. But I think that we could create a space that allows people to really kind of just enjoy this stuff in a way that I think is, is really missing. So if you want to join, um, you can join our Patreon for as little as five bucks a month, uh, that gets you into our discord group. And, and like I said, we're going to, we're going to somehow expand that and, and open up to, to more people so we get some more things going in there. But it's it's a work in progress, so we're kind of slowly moving into it, I guess, is the best way to put it. But definitely, uh, if you're if you're interested, um, sign up for our Patreon and you'll get access to the Discord group. For sure. All right. So big news over the past. Well, let's say over the past man. It's what, four, five, six months of this uh, coronavirus, COVID stuff, shutting down, you know, a lot of different things. But sneakers kind of seems as if it's sort of made it through a little bit better just based on seeing the big releases and all that stuff that's happened continually for the past, you know, three, four months. But recently it came out that Nike was going to lay off around 500 people. And... That made me think kind of about this whole situation and, you know, they position it as shaking up the executives and all this stuff and, you know, saving money and they're going to pay that, you know, you're going to end up paying money when you lay off people anyway, because they get unemployment. There's all sorts of, you know, 
nuances around just letting people go. That's why, you know, in most cases, what has been happening with retailers and with other businesses is people are getting furloughed, which just means they're not fired. They're not let go. They're just not able to work. And, you know, depending on the arrangement with their employers, they might still get benefits of some kind. They might get, you know, health insurance or retirement, or maybe they get an employee discount. So with Nike, it came out probably about a month ago, maybe even longer, that they were going to, after they after they reported their loss, they reported a loss of $790 million, which, you know, compared to previous years is like, you know, obviously huge blow to them. But at the same time, everybody's experiencing that. So when that came out, it also came out that they were shifting people around in the executive office or, you know, an executive uh, like amongst the executives, I should say. But it also came out uh, just a couple of weeks ago that they were going to lay off around 500 people. So I kind of looked at that and thought, well, how how is the choice for a big company like Nike? 500 people is not a lot of people, right? In the, in the grand scheme of things, I can't remember how many employees they have, but I want to say it's in the 40,000 range, right? I think it was 76,700 oh, yeah. estimated. Twice as many. So that's yeah. for sure a very minimal amount of people. And I started thinking like, man, all these shoes that sell out every every day of the week, pretty much as a sneaker person that gets on the Nike app, I would say two to three times a week minimum. I'm disappointed that something sells out and I couldn't get a pair. And my thought was, why can't they just sell 500 more pairs of those dunks or 500 more pairs of those Jordan ones and keep those people employed until things get to a more normal place or even potentially move them into a role that is different than where they're at. So they don't have to let them go. I know this is like, you know, groundbreaking thinking because we're so programmed as, you know, capitalist society to think, oh, business is down, lay people off, business is down, streamline your business. And I'm not against those things. I think sometimes those things do have to happen. But it's really hard for me to understand where they're coming from when I get on the app and I see, you know, a a shoe sell out. And then I get on social media and see myself personally, literally hundreds of people complaining that they didn't get it and posting that they didn't get it. So clearly they could make more money off of those products if they just sold more of them. And I get that there's a fine balance there, but I just wanted to toss that to you, Mike, because it seems like it seems like these two things could be very closely connected. Yeah, I was going to try to do some real just rough, rough math, but I don't have time to. But I even... When you think about a shoe itself, pretty much when Nike makes it, of course, we don't know the exact amount, but it's going to cost pennies on a dollar what they sell it for. So let's say it costs five bucks to make a Nike dunk. All right, cool. Sell it for a hundred bucks. I'm sure whatever store selling them is going to get a piece of it, even though most of them are sold through through uh, their you know, online portal through sneakers now. So they're still keeping in bulk of the, the profits. So say they're making $95 at a very nice, or say they make it 80 bucks off each shoe. If they just make them available to everybody, you see all the people who want to buy them. Make them available, at, the, at least at this point in time, knowing what we're going through, make them widely available. 
and I'm, I'm giving you the low end. I'm giving dunks. That's the low end. Go ahead and make them available like you would make, um, I don't know, a Jordan 1 mid. You're going to make a gang of those because sit and think about it. Nick, the people who drive Nike's business, who makes them that money to have to lay those people off, are not buying shoes right now. And if you guys haven't figured it out, it's not us. It's the people who go into Dick Sporting Goods. It's people who go into Academy to buy that Nike Monarch, that Tanjun, that, you know, whatever that big box store Nike is. Those people aren't buying shoes right now. Those stores are just, they're collecting dust and sneakers. They're trying to dump them because no one's buying them. So people like us, these who are trying to get the dunks, trying to get the limited shoes, that's a, a drop in the pond for Nike compared to those those other models that sell out that that Nike 270 um, that is you know a high selling shoe that's up there with the Tanjun and the Monarch those shoes aren't selling right now and if you guys have followed social media if you've been inside of a mall you've seen that Foot Locker's Finish Lines these stores are hitting deep discounts for those shoes. I mean, I think me and Nick, we were talking a minute ago, we've seen pictures of people having red tag sneakers at Foot Locker for like $10, $20. So if they would produce the shoe that's going to make those, that has the hype behind it, just for a certain amount of time, they're not going to sit. They're going to sell. But go ahead and do that to a point to where you're going to recoup the cost, at least some of it, to where maybe you don't have to lay these people off. Like you said, maybe you can move them to someone that's somewhere else and this will buy time until the world is kind of normal again to where, hey, okay, we can go back to limited releases. We can go back to these raffles, whatever it is. People are buying these super generals now. Like we're, we're back to selling Monarchs again. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's kind of crazy too because – so as you we were talking, I looked up um, – I remembered seeing this in I think the Portland Business Journal, which if you're if – you're, in a place where you can subscribe to a newspaper, the Portland Business Journal is awesome because there's a lot of stuff that, you know, it ends up on the web most of the time, but there's a lot of stuff in there and a lot of uh, a lot of names in there around the footwear business. And I love just kind of this sounds really bad, but like it's basically like taking a name from an article of someone that works for a brand or an industry um, business of some kind. And going and looking those people up online and being like, what do they do? Find them on LinkedIn, find them on social. And, hey, is this somebody I can network with? And, and you know, is there value for me to connect with this person? But anyway, that's off topic. Um, I was looking it up because uh, a, a few years back, I know uh, Matthew Kish, who's been one of the, the like, you know, most well-known writers and editors of the Portland Business Journal. And he handles uh, he focuses on the footwear business, or at least that's a big portion of what he works on there. Uh, he did a little cost breakdown of a hundred dollar Nike sneaker, and we'll link to it in the description. Um, the guys, our buddies over at Wear Testers did a post on it and broke it down. basically said, you know the you know the idea that you see on social media is that a shoe costs three dollars to make and that they're ripping us off. So Matthew Kish, of the business Portland Business Journal went and dug into it. So essentially the cost of a shoe ends up being around $28 okay. fully manufactured, sent and you know duties paid to get it here to the US. I don't know what it is for other, you know, countries, but that's 
that's here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And then you have basically a markup of about twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two dollars. That's Nike's profit. Then you have wholesale, which basically becomes like a you know right around fifty dollars. That's what the, their profit is. So if Foot Locker buys them, they buy them for fifty dollars. Then they sell them. You know, assuming this is a dunk, a hundred dollar sneaker. They sell them for a hundred bucks. Foot Locker makes fifty dollars. Nike makes, you know, their twenty-two or whatever. But then also on the flip side of that, like you said, Nike, and this is a little this is a little ways back, but Nike is selling direct to consumers. So when they do that, the profit for those shoes is roughly seventy-five to eighty dollars compared to a fifty-dollar profit, assuming that Foot Locker sells the shoes and doesn't have some sort of return to vendor clause in the shoes that they buy. Yeah. So to think of it that way, and I know that like there's a lot of confusion around the cost of shoes. This is pretty accurate from my experience. I think that every you know nuance in the industry can be a little bit different. Like you said, you're talking about you're talking about a dunk. Of course, like that technology is old. They're not doing a whole lot different. Yeah, mm-hmm. your your cost of that or a Monarch is probably around twenty to thirty dollars, and you know, and we're talking all the things, right? We're talking about the shoes made, the packaging, the the taxes that they pay, import duties, you know, whatever those things might be, and that is baked into that cost. Now, if I'm thinking about like newer stuff, like you mentioned, the you know the two seventies, seven twenties, you know, React, all the new technology, mm-hmm. those shoes apparently have a higher cost for the company to make because most of the time new technology, you know, new technology takes a lot longer to develop, but it also takes a lot longer to, you know, get right. And the cost of a Nike Dunk or let's say an Air Max or something that has a standard air bubble that they can manufacture those air bubbles at, you know, in the millions, if not billions because they're going to put them in all the shoes possible. It's much different than a 270 or a 720 or something that has something newer because they just, they don't know if that's going to, you know, be successful in the marketplace yet. So they can't take the risk of manufacturing so many pieces of that. So that kind of, to me is, is what I'm using to, I guess, kind of question or just try to better understand the idea of laying people off right now. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm, you know, like I lost all of my contract work for the most part. Like I have a few things here and there, not all of my like comfortable, you know, this is going to be around for, for months at a time or years at a time. Contracts are no longer. Everything is kind of on pins and needles to like wait and see what's going to happen because a lot of people in the footwear business are struggling. And there's been a lot of, a lot of challenges and Nike's not mm-hmm. immune to that. And I'm not you know, saying that they shouldn't be or, you know, saying that they are, but I look at it and I just think, you know, if, if they've the, over the last two years, since we've, I don't, we haven't even been doing this for two years over the last year and a half that we've been doing this podcast, we've talked about how many times we've heard a story or read something about Nike cutting off ties with a retail partner because, it's more profitable for them to sell direct to the customer. Mm-hmm. It makes sense for them to do that. You know, like obviously the, the, 
the challenge for businesses and the, I guess like the, the human side of a business is that, yeah, you know, when stockholders say they want to make more, they want to get paid better dividends, all of those things that the company has to strive for, for things that are never going to result in good things for like the lowest of the retail or sorry, the lowest of the, of the employee chain of command, right? Mm -hmm. If you're an hourly worker, whoever's making the thought of, oh, we've got to cut costs in order to hit these numbers so we can, so we can get a, a, you know, our bonuses at the end of the year or our, you know, investors are going to come back and put more money in. All those things are thoughts when you're not, you know, that, that you don't have to think about a, an hourly, you know, retail or, you know, some sort of customer service or, you know, like kind of like entry level jobs with Nike, whether that's, you know, cleaning toilets or sweeping floors or stacking boxes, those people are not in the minds of the people that make the decision to push for better numbers and more money at the top. In theory, it would be part of their thought process. But I think most of us have some sort of relationship or experience with, you know, corporate America. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, like we've set up our system to not actually matter, you know, like, you know, the, the last three months we've had, you know, protests about inequality and protests about like rights that should just be human rights. Yet there's so much backlash on, on the other side of these things because people don't think of other people when money is in front of them or opportunity is in front of them. And, you know, that, that goes across everything. That's not just sneakers. That's not just Nike. That's not even just the, the injustices that we've been talking about for the last, you know, three months. That's an, an American thing that has always been a problem. And I don't want to be so negative towards that, but I look at this situation and I think, you know, like you mentioned, I think 190, 190 or so people out of the 500 are people that are that are working in the like kind of daycare section of Nike's headquarters, right? Yeah. So those people working in the childcare centers, yeah, the kids aren't coming in, and you know, or assuming most of the kids aren't coming in, assuming that most people at Nike are working from home the way most big companies, especially companies that can do the work online are working from home. So yes, those employees that are working in childcare might not have the actual, the same job that they have available, but to think that they couldn't do something else if they wanted to is a really kind of ignorant thought. So I wonder why they wouldn't just try to give those people other opportunities. You know, like let's say you're working in a child care center, but you wanted to work in the employee store. You wanted to work as a cashier at the employee store. You wanted to work as a stock person or a salesperson on the sales floor. There's other jobs that are still happening that they could easily transition to if they were given the opportunity. And I think For that's sure. one of the challenges for all these businesses um, and all of our, all of like retail and all of like, you know, kind of customer facing stuff in, in America 
is being kind of pushed to its limit right now because the businesses are like, we can't afford to do this. The people are like, well, what are we supposed to do to pay rent? You know, like, and we're just in this really weird spot. Yeah. And I think me being such a fan of Nike and especially their political and their inspirational and aspirational marketing, I always get a little more offended isn't the right word, but I, I get a little butthurt when I see these kind of things happen because I, I feel like for some reason I feel closer connection to Nike than any other brand. And probably that's because of, you know, the marketing from Wideman Kennedy and the great, you know, the great consumer facing content that goes out, the stories that are told the the, you know, the, the Colin Kaepernick inspirational stuff, the Serena Williams inspirational stuff, all of these things that just get me hyped up about Nike make me feel like they're more of a friend to me than they are a big business that I'm giving my money to. And that's kind of a really challenging thing for me to process as I see all of the challenges that we're facing, you know, in society right now with people getting laid off and, you know, all that stuff. But like at the end of the day, Nike still is, you know, they're making, you know, their total revenue is $6.3 billion. They're yeah. 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 They're down, you know, 30 something percent from, from last year's 10 million, 10 billion, I should say, but that's a lot of money. And, and, I think logistically, it's easy for me to, to, to look at it and say, look, these dunks, whatever they are, they don't have to, they don't even have to be the Grateful Deads or the, you know, Chunky Donkeys. Just the basic, you know, St. John, you know, Syracuse, all these like two color, three color dunks. Add a thousand pairs on each of them, and that covers at least a handful of employees' salaries, especially the people that are working for an hourly rate, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess what one thing that gets me about it, I mean, you're right. Every company has to do what they have to do. We understand that. We're not trying to be like, oh, you have to have everyone needs to keep their job all the time. It's not about that. We're just trying to, I guess, reason through it. And uh, with this particular company, because we know that their product is, you know, more than sought after all the time. Um, I was reading something through Footwear News a week or so ago, and it looks like Foot Locker, which I would assume is a smaller company than Nike, was able to, you know, pay all their employees through, you know, store closures. I haven't seen anything about any um, any layoffs. I know that they did change, well, you know, they, they changed direction a little bit. They did change some things up. But I just wonder how come Nike's not able to do the same if they were still able to pump all this product out during um, you know, people online shop. I mean, I, of course, people bought from Foot Locker as well, but with the amount of people who are, you know, like you said, the sneakers app, everyone's on there at least two, three times a week, you know, either, you know, getting the shoe they wanted or trying to get them because they lost out before. But it just seems like there's more that could be done. But again, I don't work there. We don't know. Um, it just seems like because they are going to be letting go of a lot of well, not a lot, but they're going to be letting go of corporate leadership. seems like it's their way of being able to cut costs to pay out their severance packages, because I'm sure if you're a C-level executive at Nike, your severance pack and package has to be pretty decent to get you through a year or so. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, too, like they're 
there's a lot of talk in in both of these articles, which we'll link in the description of the of this episode. Um, but there's a lot of talk in both of these articles about you know the focus on digital, mm-hmm. and what I think is interesting about that in regards to this is that the focus has always been on digital. You know, like yeah. don't get me wrong, there's there's things outside of digital, but Nike primarily has been pushing everyone to digital like look at the the look at all of the content that goes into the sneakers app the sneakers app is one of the best places for content around sneakers on the web period and i'm not talking about stuff that's like on nike.com i'm talking about within the sneakers app their content is top notch the same thing with jordan brand you know like my buddy marco is is a part of the team that's putting out the you know air air.jordan.com content they're getting everyone in the community involved and it's just a beautiful thing to see that come to life because there's so many stories around all these shoes that you know to me prove that they've been focused on digital for for many years right but i will say that i think the you know and this is just how i work but like when I look at what Nike is doing, when I look at sneakers and the stuff that I'm into and the conversations we have, and I say it a lot on this podcast, and if you've ever talked to me on social media or in person, you realize that the sneakerhead community is not near as important in the big picture as we seem to think we are. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't say that in a way to like discourage people because I think you should be passionate about this stuff. And if you love it and you and you want to be a part of it, find a way to get a job with these places because it will change your life. You'll have a blast. You'll have opportunities and you'll meet people from the people that are just trying to do the same thing as you are up up the chain to creators and designers and athletes and celebrities. And like, I'm so thankful that I somehow found myself in this industry over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years. But I also have to check myself and say, look, I'm, I'm a small fish in this big pond of what footwear is. You know, Mike mentioned the Nike Air Monarch and that shoe is exponentially more valuable to Nike's bottom line than any of the shoes that, that we're going to buy, like a Dunk or, a, you know, a new release or a Travis Scott collab or a whatever, right? We buy the stuff that's hype. That is kind of the test the waters thing for the rest of the world, right? Like mm-hmm. if we buy a, an air Jordan 11 at Christmas time and it's a cool gray, then that means that the average consumer that's not listening to sneaker podcasts and not obsessing about it, not looking at, you know, sneaker sites all day long. Those people are buying, some very far takedown version of that same thing, like a, a six rings or like a six rings. Yeah. A big, you know, big game or whatever, or, you know, flight nines flight. I mean, there's so many of them. Right. So I say that to, to kind of check myself in this whole conversation. I look at it and I think, man, it's really messed up that, you know, 500 people are going to lose their job you know, from Nike in the coming months, I see all the sneakers selling out and I just think, man, 
add a few more here, add a couple hundred here, you know, like numbers wise, you can make this work. But then I also realized that the dip in their business is probably much, much bigger than just what we're seeing on the sneakers app, the hype that we see on social media. Like if, if we're cutting back on our sneaker purchases as, you know, super fans of the brand and of the business of sneakers and sneakers in general, then the average mom and dad in, you know, outside of, you know, in some small town in the Midwest, you know, that doesn't get to see all the crazy releases or, you know, doesn't get influenced by social media, they're definitely not buying any Monarchs or any basic Nikes. They're not going to Kohl's and picking up the $49.99 special. Like those people have, have real, they're spending in probably even more so than the people that are really passionate about this. Cause the other side of that conversation is that for better or worse, we live in a, in a, you know, a post stock X world. And I mean, <laughs> I mean that in like, you know, being a part of, of starting stock X working there for two years and a year plus as a, as a consultant contractor for them, you know, like I, I, I really do believe that, that it changed a lot about sneakers in the way that people purchase sneakers. There's a safety net for purchasing sneakers now that never existed for the, for the, you know, for the casual consumer, right? The casual sneakerhead. If, if I'm not referring to the people probably that are listening to this podcast, because most of us are paying attention all the time. And at some point you were like, well, I, I don't know if, if I get them and I don't like them or if I don't want them anymore, I can just resell them. You know, it went from, okay, Nike gives you 90 days to return to shoe or whatever that is, you know, now on top of that, you have the option of potentially making money on it or at least getting a good portion of your money back. If you decide, you know, that if you bought something that wasn't like a, you know, hot resale shoe. So we have a much more, I guess, aggressive kind of commitment to buying sneakers, especially from Nike, Jordan, you know, I would throw Yeezy in there and, and like collabs from, New Balance and Puma seem to be doing well. But we know that at the end of the day, we could get a decent amount of the money back, if not more, if not make money, if we're just able to get the shoe. So sure. we don't even have to think about the the long-term after effects of all this stuff the way, you know, the, the normal consumer that doesn't pay attention to sneakers they don't, they don't care about any of that stuff. They're not buying a shoe because they think that they're going to return it. They're buying it to use it. And then the casual sneakerhead now is, you know, I would say fully immersed in the StockX goat, you know, kind of world of resale where they always think that, oh, I can just resell it if I don't like it. Yeah. And, and that's a really interesting place to be where while we're in this place that, I almost feel like as, as you know, I don't want it to be this, but I really feel like the actual like business of sneakers and the monetary value of sneakers is, is like overinflated right now because people think they can resell something, but then they don't take into account that they just paid, you know, uh, X amount of fees and X amount of shipping and all this stuff. And, um, I think, uh, overhyped kicks who's in our discord group had a great tweet 
It was basically like something along the lines of uh, for StockX giving away the Dior Jordan ones. It was like only StockX could charge could could have one, a one dollar bid cost you twenty one dollars. And <laughs> it's because of fees and shipping and all that stuff. And you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you really want to enter for for Dior's. You know that that shoe is worth a crazy amount. Twenty mm-hmm. bucks is still potentially worth it to to enter. But like it is really interesting because you don't really see those fees blatantly out front. You know, I know that like StockX and Goat are both very transparent about the fees and stuff, but it doesn't register while you're going through the process for a lot of those things. And I think a lot of the casual sneakerheads that kind of come in occasionally get burned on a lot of those things. And it's really unfortunate. But that also is why I look at Nike and and this kind of come back full circle. That's also why I look at Nike and think, man, if you know that the secondary market has, you know, dunks at $300, that means that you can release an extra thousand or 5,000 pairs or 10,000 pairs. You will buy it and you won't have a problem with, you know, like they're not going to have a bunch of people returning it. Now I'm sure that game is, is a little, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a fine line, right? Like they want to keep the hype and they want to keep the energy, but they also want people to be able to get product. You know, I think at the end of the day, you know, they wouldn't sell, you know, $6 billion worth of product if they're, if they didn't want people to get their shoes. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's um, always a, if you pay attention to Nike, there's always, if, I mean, I don't know how the algorithm works, but you'll see every so often, Oh, you got a member's access to a, a exclusive restock. I mean, they can do it. It's not like they can't. They just pick and choose. Like you said, they want to keep that same energy to where, oh, they are pop- our, our product is popular, popular, popular. Eh, I can't get the word out. Sorry, guys. But um, they don't realize that the people who still want the shoe don't think it's, they don't think it's not going to be popular. They're not going to be hurting themselves. Maybe they'll hurt StockX or GOAT, but that, I mean, I don't know if that's their issue. I, don't, I doubt it is because I don't think they really, I don't know how they feel about the reselling, but I don't know if it's just wanting to keep everything exclusive to keep that same everyone's like clawing at each other for the shoe, whatever it is. But if you release a general release dunk in one of those, like I said, those basic colorways, it's going to sell out. Like, I don't understand like what the thought process is. But again, you're going to have that person say, no, 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 don't release it. Don't release it. I'm like, dude, who who cares? I mean, if you get your pair, you get your pair. I just in in the age. I mean, this is going to go to another different, a whole different soapbox. But in the age of everybody wanting to be seen people freak out when they release a bunch of something that's why you know certain things sit that's why a good example uh the jordan won the paris to new york or new york to paris that sb set when typically any jordan sb collaboration sells out that one's set because they produce more because they put this idea of exclusivity in people's brains now they eventually sold out and they're going for higher amounts on these, uh, you know, these resale sites, but they took longer to sell out because people are so, um, um, they're, they're, I don't know want to say they're configured, whatever you want to call it to just all of everyone else has it. I don't want it, but I, I want it if Travis Scott has it, which is complete backwards thinking to me because you're doing the same thing. You just doing it on a different scale. If that makes any sense. No, for sure. I mean, and, and that's something I, I think I would love to hear, too. And, and this is a conversation that we could probably even maybe do a full episode on if people are interested, you know, especially when Robbie is, is able to get back on with us. But mm-hmm. I 
I think that we're in a really interesting time with sneakers, not just in the sense that, yeah, Travis Scott wears a shoe and the price on the resale market, you know, skyrockets, but we're in an interesting time in that the, the direction of sneakers is going to be really different. Like, I don't know what it's going to be. You know, I have some ideas around that, but I think that we're in a place where we've almost like tapped out in what's possible on the hype and the resale market. Um, we're seeing it in, you know, like you said, getting the notification saying you have early access to something, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that we're training, you know, not, not we, but you know, the, the brands are training consumers on a different way of shopping and that's happening outside of sneakers too. And it's really, it's really kind of interesting. I don't know if it's good or bad. I think there's arguments for both. Like part of it is yes. Like if you're a good customer, you know, like I have certain places that I've bought from for years and, you know, uh, like being loyal to those companies and buying from them regularly. Every once in a while, I'll get an email that says, Hey, you know, here's some sort of, you know, either early release product or a exclusive discount because you've bought so much or, Hey, you know, you know, you like this particular thing, you know, that's, that's, I think, a normal experience in like yeah. high fashion and, you know, oh, yeah. like yeah. even, even, you know, like when I was working sales back in the day, you know, that's how I would be. If I, if I knew my customers that had already spent thousands of dollars with me were coming to see something, or if I got something that they would be interested in, I would always make sure that they had access to it. Mm -hmm. But with sneakers, that doesn't always happen. And I think that without that, you know, we don't have, we potentially lose people that are, that could be interested in the business as a whole, you know, as like consumers and collectors or whatever that, you know, sneaker heads. And I think that it's really going to be interesting over the next like three to five years to see where all of this goes, because on one hand, you know, like Nike is, is always going to be really good at marketing. There's no doubt about that. Like the same way that Apple is really great about product design, packaging and presentation. But the thing about Nike that I think is really fascinating right now is where they go from here, because you're seeing, you know, to use that same example of Apple and Nike, you see a Nike shoe sell out, you don't see it come back. With an Apple product, if the product sells out, it will be back in stock for everybody else to get their hands on it. It doesn't take away from the hype around the first iPhone coming out. People will still line up for a new iPhone. People will still line up for new Apple, you know, whatever. Nike doesn't necessarily, like, yeah, that exists, but like, and there's more products available in the Nike catalog. I, I understand the nuances of this co comparison, but like, I really think that the more people quote, take L's on the sneakers app, the less likely those people are to be lifelong Nike fans. I think that they're opening a door for their competitors to come in and really change the way the landscape of sneakers looks. And I think that the other part of that, and you mentioned it before we started recording, the other part of that is not just on the consumer side, but on the employee side and the worker side, right? 
Mm-hmm. You want to work for a brand like Nike because of the inspiring commercials and what they come across to represent. You know, like we talked about in a previous episode about Adidas struggles to, you know, I mean, for lack of a better way, to be decent to their, you know, black employees, right? There sure. seem to be huge problems there that they need to deal with. And that probably exists everywhere. I mean, we know that it exists everywhere in the footwear business. We've talked about it a lot on this show over the last year and a half. But to think about what you said about the perception for, let's say, someone who has kids, if they're laying off their child care center workers, granted, right now is a weird time, but that action is going to be in the heads and the minds of people that potentially want to work for Nike a year from now, two years from now, the same way that we randomly think of something that's like, oh man, remember when they did that terrible thing? Yeah, I think I'm going to go someplace else instead. That happens with people that want to go work for companies. And I didn't really think about that until you brought that up before we started recording. But if if you're looking for a job and you're seeing that, oh, they're getting rid of their childcare center. Well, that that doesn't necessarily mean that they're getting rid of their child care center. It just means that nobody's coming in and, and working in it. But now they don't have the workers in the child care center to even be there. So now they've got to potentially either when they reopen, hire all new people. But like you're already planting the seed in a negative way for potential employees down the road that have kids, because why work for a company that is going to, you know, choose to lay off those people when that's the people that, especially right now, while everybody's trying to figure out how to get back to work for the most part, those are the, those are like the essential workers in my opinion. Yeah. And I think about the people, not only ones who are, you know, possibly, you know, contemplating working for Nike, but those who are already there. Like when, when they get to go back to office from home and, you know, they don't have, you know, like a school age kids where it's like, Oh, okay. I, you know, I, I know that I can go to work and I can drop my kid off at the Nike center pick them up at five o'clock or whatever time I leave and we're going home. Now they're like, uh, so, and, and again, granted, there's already 192 people in the daycare center. I'm assuming there's many more, hopefully, or at least, you know, another 192. Um, but it just, it sucks because now you're giving your employees an extra layer of stress. They're already thinking about, okay, you know, am I going to have my job? Oh, now if I have my job, can I even keep my job? Because I can't go to work. I, I need to find childcare now, which is going to be more money out of my pocket. So you've, you've added extra layer of stress of, to your current employees, which I understand that is a, um, I guess, a, 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 a fringe benefit of working there. You have the daycare center. Most places won't have that. But still, you've given that to your employees, and they didn't have to stress about childcare. Now they have to because now you're thinking about, just so many different options like, hey, do I want my kid to go to a, a daycare? I don't know. Will they get sick because of everything going on? It's just so many variables out there right now that it, it can drive a parent insane. I mean, I have a school age uh, son, and I mean, it's just daunting to think of the next school year. I mean, I know there's people out there that, that think maybe people like me are overreacting, but I, I don't think so. I, I think that I'm, you know, taking the right stuff to be precautious. And I think every parent has the right to, to do that. So it, it just adds an extra layer of stress to that person. Yeah, most definitely, man. And I mean, it's just, 
yeah, it's just, uh, it's crazy. You know, it's, it just, it just makes me think about a lot of things and, you know, it's, I, I, I know we've talked about Nike this whole episode, but this is obviously something that's much bigger than, than just Nike or just sneakers. And yeah. I, I would love to hear from everybody, like what, you know, they think about this and if these kind of things impact their thought process. I mean, I know that probably none of us are looking at the sneakers app when we're waiting to take an L thinking about, you know, child care workers or, you know, whoever else at Nike that's getting laid off because we're just so focused on trying to get it. But like, I hope that, you know, I hope that everybody does pay a little more attention after all this, you know, virus stuff is said and done. And, you know, we kind of come back out of this, like, you know, depression that we're, we're in, but, um, I don't know, but to, uh, to kind of, uh, switch it up and, and go out on a, on a little bit of a higher note. Um, Mike was able to, to work up, uh, a discount for fans of the podcast. And we've, we've already shared with, shared this with our Patreon group and, you know, in our discord. Um, but I wanted to give you a chance to talk about, uh, the Lee Baron stuff, if you'd like. Yeah, man. So, uh, Lee Baron is a store out here in Texas. It's actually in Huntsville. So I'm in Houston. They're about, about an hour north of me, 45 minutes north of me, but they're in Huntsville. Um, really cool guys out there. Got to sit and meet with, uh, with the owner. Uh, his name's AJ. Um, you know what? There, there's a mom and pop style shop, you know, out there, you know, serving their community and they're, you know, great guys. I mean, they have, you know, a lot of the kicks out here that people are looking for that, you know, don't think of going to smaller shops. They, they are constantly trying to hit, you know, sneakers app or, you know, you know, Foot Locker, whatever it is. But these are one of those prime examples. If you go in, build a relationship, you, you can find different things out there. And, um, again, really great guys. You might have seen a couple posts we started doing with them. Uh, we're trying to do just like a, a once a week, you know, we do the history lessons. We, we teamed up with them to bring a 15% discount to their store on their online store using the LBSH uh, discount code on their website. So check it out. I mean, we posted typically looks like on Tuesdays right now, just a little, little tidbit about a shoe, you know, something they're, they're getting something we can relay some history about. Um, yeah. So just, it's always good to support a, a small shop out there. Those, those guys are, I really feel like the, the lifeblood of the sneaker industry because yeah, the big guys are always going to be here, but the things we find, those little treasures, those things that we didn't think we could find, always come from I feel like the small shops yeah man and I I, uh, I was up on the site today and uh, came across uh, a bunch of new arrivals in the Mitchells in this section so if you're a, if you're a throwback jersey addict like myself uh, it's definitely worth heading over there you could pick up some of the some of the I mean I didn't pull the trigger on yeah I, I didn't pull the trigger on the on the Vince Carter uh, Raptors jersey but um I'll just say I still have the tab open. So. <laughs> Dude, I keep doing, I actually called him. I was like, so is that, that D-Rose jersey still there? I'm going to have to come buy yeah. it from here. <laughs> yeah. so. Right on. Well, uh, yeah, like, appreciate you guys listening. Um, my name is Nick Engvall. You can follow me at Nick Engvall, N-I-C-K-E-N-G-V-A-L-L on all the platforms. More importantly, follow at Sneaker History on, on all the platforms. Uh, got some, some pretty exciting news coming in the next week or two. Um, so I'll just say uh, keep an eye on the Sneaker History YouTube as well. But, Mike, let them know how they can find you. 
Yeah, you find me, of course, Sneaker History. Find me on Instagram and Twitter at MadWatcher789. And then, of course, on YouTube at Mike Guillory. And, uh, yo, anybody have any good suggestions for golf shoes, uh, let me know. Forgot to mention it earlier, but I'm going to be playing here in a couple weeks, and I don't really want to play in my sneakers. So someone hit me up with some good suggestions. Right on. Uh, well, we appreciate y'all listening, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. See ya. What up, y'all? This is Nick again. First, I wanted to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. It really means a lot that you would spend a part of your day rocking with us. Before you take off, I wanted to ask a few favors. If you're looking for more content from the Sneaker History crew, head over to patreon.com slash sneakerhistory. Our Patreon members get access to exclusive episodes of the podcast, our latest merch, giveaways, and much more. You can become a member for as little as 5 bucks a month, and it really goes a long way supporting the crew. Next, make sure you're signed up for our email newsletter. We share updates about the footwear business, some of our favorite finds and deals, and other sneaker-related news a couple times per week. I like to think of it as a one-stop shop for the sneaker game, or at least a work-in-progress one-stop shop for the sneaker game, if you know what I mean. Last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. Whether online or in person, social distancing in effect, of course, it helps make the sneaker community a better place, and you never know what conversation and opportunity might come from it. As always, we appreciate you, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.